Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Adam White, a lawyer in Washington who writes about legal issues for the Weekly Standard and other publications to talk about the uh, Supreme Court's ruling on uh, campaign finance. Adam, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. So to me, anytime more people can give more money, that's bad news for incumbents. Is that generally true in your opinion? Well, incumbents definitely have the advantage of, uh, of the bully pulpit when they're in office, so I suspect you're probably right. And so that's why I always laugh when I see incumbents, particularly Democratic incumbents, complaining, oh, my goodness gracious me, the, you know, the Koch brothers are going to steal our election. Don't they understand that that's why I have the unions backing me so that we can st steal the election? And my understanding is that before this ruling, unions and other groups could already give uh, virtually without limit. Is that is that true? Well, there, there are limits out there on how much you can contribute to a candidate or to a PAC mm -hmm. or other things. But there's, there's, I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure there aren't limits on how much groups like unions uh, and corporations can spend independent exactly. getting their own message out. Yeah, and so uh, this is, if I understand it, they're bringing some of that approach to individual donors to individual candidates. Is that right? Well, basically what, hap what, what what's going on is this is, there are already limits on how much you can give to an individual candidate or party committee. Right. Um, but on top of all of that, there have been what are called aggregate limits, and those put a cap on how much you can give to federal candidates in general. Right. So say you got a $5,200 limit on how much you can give an individual candidate in uh, an election cycle. Right. Well, you, have, you can give to several candidates, but the sum total of those contributions across all your candidates can't exceed 48600 and that's the limit that was at issue in this case. And that seems so strange because if I understand the concern that you don't want, you know, uh, money bags, Michael Graham, as I'm often known, uh, you know, to write, you know, too much money to one candidate or one office holder because of corruption. What difference does it make if I write that limited amount of money, $5,200, to two guys, 20 guys, or 200 guys? Well, that was largely John Roberts' uh, John Roberts's point. Roberts wrote what's basically the lead opinion in this case. Mm -hmm. um, his point was basically, to the extent that that corruption is the is the thing that campaign finance laws are supposed to supposed to fight back against, uh, those interests are already protected by the limits on individual candidates. And so this aggregate cap, he said, wasn't shown to actually do anything more to protect against uh, corruption. And my understanding is, and you're the uh, lawyer here, Adam, uh, bribery is still illegal, right? I'm pretty sure. I haven't <laughs> tested that one, but I think it is. And that's my point is if you think something is bribery, there are ways to investigate and prosecute bribery, but giving disclosed money to a candidate so he can run out and buy TV ads or you know, pay for phone calls uh, is just campaigning. Yeah, that was, an, that was an important point in the case is, is Roberts, in his opinion, has, draw, has to draw a line between corruption, which again was sort of the buzzword of the case, mm -hmm. and just influence. Um, corruption, and, that, and he stressed that's quid pro quo corruption. So like you said, it's, you give money to a politician and he gives you a favor. Right. You know, that's, that's corruption. That's what the cases since the 70s have been trying to get at by and large. But that's different from donating money to a candidate you like uh, who's on the same position, who, who has takes positions that you approve of and you want to show your support and encourage him to keep doing that that's just that's just uh that's just public opinion and government roberts actually closes his opinion with a quote from uh from the conservative philosopher edmund burke where he says this responsiveness is the key that well this is roberts after the quote he says 
this responsiveness is key to the very concept of self-governance through elected officials. So the easy-to-understand argument is freedom is freedom. You earn the money. You want to spend it you know, supporting your crazy libertarian cousin running for office. Why not? What was the argument that the four dissenters were making? Well, they, they disagreed with the, uh, with the majority for, on a couple of grounds. One is a basic dis- disagreement over what, cor- what corruption means. Like I said, Roberts and, and the, the, the justices who joined him, Kennedy Thomas and, and Alito, or sorry, Kennedy Scalia and Alito, uh, they say corruption is narrow quid pro quo corruption. But the dissenters had a, a broader view of it. it it's, it's a little bit hazier, but it's, it's definitely something more than corruption. And the other question sort of floating around is the appearance of corruption and what, what does that mean? Uh, there's basically two different visions of free speech at issue here. Like Robertson, this is the point that Floyd Abrams, the sort of the nation's leading First Amendment ro- lawyer, has been stressing in the aftermath of the decision. Robertson, the conservatives, their point is that freedom of speech protects individuals from having their speech limited by government. And it's, it's there to protect individuals and unpopular opinions. Um, on the other side, there's this view, and I think Breyer, who wrote the opinion, sort of captures it well when he, his concerns go to the, making sure that what he calls the general public is heard. They sort of see free speech more in terms of a collective right of democracy that's responsive, responsive to the people, but in sort of more of a, an abstract sense. I, I don't even understand what that means. If a bunch of people support, I mean, whatever, you know, criminalizing marijuana and a bunch of people oppose criminalizing marijuana and they all throw their ideas and arguments out, what difference does it make how big each piece of the speech you know, as far as the individual donation is? Well, I think their point, on, uh, their point among the dissenters was that if the, the general public sees or believes that big money donors have an outsized, vo- outsized voice in the political process, mm-hmm. then the general public will sort of step back from the political process and they'll lose faith in the political process. And uh, Chief Justice, like I said, Chief Justice Roberts and, uh, and the, the, uh, the three that joined his opinion just fundamentally disagreed with what, with what the First right. Amendment is here to do. Uh, I wonder how many of those uh, folks in the general public who fear the power of money know that the Koch brothers are 57th on the list of donors, that six of the top ten donors are unions, and that 16 of the top 25 are liberal organizations. Only three of the top 25 donors in, uh, uh, since 1989 are Republican. I, I, I'm assuming they know none of that information because all they hear every day is, Koch brothers are stealing my election. Uh, maybe. I, you know, I saw the, the Washington Free Beacon had a little article or a note today pointing out that in the aftermath of the decision, some New York Times writer was tweeting ab- about the Koch brothers, so they just they have Koch on the brain. But, you know, there's one important thing to point out here is that, is that we're talking about contributions here, donations to candidates. Right. Separate from all of that is independent expenditures, just groups or individuals spending money not, in, not coordinated with candidates, but just putting out their own views on politics right. and on issues. And since the very beginning of these campaign finance cases in the 70s, that has always been protected for individuals, and, and then later it was clarified that also for, for corporations that individual expenditures are in the core of the First Amendment's protections and that there's nothing the government can do to limit that. But the thing is, and this is what just, just Chief Justice Roberts gets at in his opinion, is that for all of these conspiracy theories that the government and the dissent sort of weaved on how these aggregate caps are necessary to, to, to reduce the influence of big money donors, 
The fact is, the richest of the rich donors, they don't need to monkey around splitting their, their money up into 27 different pots and trying to filter it to candidates. They can just set up gigantic independent operations and get their own message out under First Amendment protections from the very beginning. And so the question is, why then have the individual candidate caps at all? And my understanding is, is that uh, Chief Ju- that uh, Justice Thomas wanted to go ahead and bail on those too. Right. That, that, when I said before that Chief Justice Roberts wrote for for himself and three mm-hmm. others, the fourth, uh, w- or sorry, the fifth justice is Justice Thomas. He fundamentally agrees with the with 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 the basic point that these aggregate caps are unconstitutional. But he didn't join Chief Justice Roberts' opinion because basically he disagrees with the premise. He he doesn't want to preserve, as I, under, as I understood, I don't want to overstate things, but, but he's very skeptical of the entire, of the constitutionality of the entire system of campaign finance laws, and he did not want to sort of endorse the limits that are already in place. Yeah, I don't understand how the limits that are in place are significantly different from just letting people give whatever they want. I mean, I think George Will wrote the world's best campaign finance law when he said, no cash, full disclosure, repeal all laws. And then you just go. And what's the problem? Well, I would say, like, like Chief Justice said, that especially in the era when independent expenditures mm-hmm. are uh, are are within the First Amendment, there's nothing we can do to limit those, that it really calls into question uh, the efficacy of other forms of campaign finance regulation. And Reince Priebus made a good point, I thought, yesterday when he pointed out that because these other ways exist to donate, they don't dis- involve disclosure, and you don't have these caps, it's easier for people to give the, through these other vehicles if you encourage them to di- give, once again, directly to the campaigns and to the candidates and to the parties, then we have more disclosure and people know more about where the money's actually coming from, and you'd like to think that that would be a good thing in a democracy. Adam White, thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. Podcast. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.